Welcome everybody back to the A-Game Podcast. We are back once again with another episode. The holiday season is around the corner. Thanksgiving coming up shortly. I want to thank you all for tuning in once again. We've had a busy week in the sports world. The NFL yesterday, Houston being the main storyline after a statement win in Cincinnati and the talks of is CJ Stroud the MVP swirling the NFL world. The NBA, it's been a disaster for James Harden as he's joined the Los Angeles Clippers. They've lost all their wing depth defensively, losing four straight. How do they bounce back? College football, Missouri, give them their flowers. A blowout win at home against Tennessee. Top 10 team in the country. Now you have to assume the NHL is going and the MLB offseason is starting. I'm your host, Aiden O'Neill. We have a lot to discuss. I want to thank you all for tuning in. All the support has been amazing over the past couple of weeks, and we're going to continue to push out content as much as we can. Let's start in the NFL. I hit on it a little bit, but it's Houston. They were in Cincinnati yesterday. They pulled out a shootout win. C.J. Stroud throwing a late interception. They ask, how do you bounce back? You're going against an established competitor in Joe Burrow. And C.J. Stroud says, I'm up for the challenge. I'm one of the best quarterbacks in the league this season. And he goes and wins a football game. The talk around the NFL, as I said, is, is C.J. Stroud currently the MVP? And before we talk about that, I want to go back to the pre-draft process when everybody wrote this dude off. I remember coming on this podcast and saying that C.J. Stroud is the best quarterback in this draft based off of pure talent, based off of arm strength, based off of just being a good quarterback. And no one wanted to believe it because the IQ test they did, saying Stroud wasn't smart enough, he came out, had a quote, I'm just a quarterback, I'm good at doing that. And... He has been amazing. I mean, this team, you're led by a young head coach in D'Amico Ryans, a young core. They bring in Jimmy Ward in the offseason to play defense. He's been amazing. The defense has been a lot better than expected. And then the offense, Noah Brown yesterday, who with the Cowboys was essentially a wide receiver three or four doing nothing, had a monster day yesterday with Nico Collins out, having seven receptions for 172 yards. I mean, just amazing. And the Texans continue. I mean, there's talks now they could go win this division, especially with the Jags dropping a big game yesterday against San Francisco. It is up for grabs. The issue I have, and I know how the NFL operates, I just don't think they'd give him this award. Regardless of his competition not playing to the standard of an MVP, Patrick Mahomes having a down year, Lamar Jackson yesterday, even though everyone was saying he was the front runner, dropped a big game to the Browns. Jalen Hurts just playing competent. All these guys that have won it in past years are not playing that good, and that's why they're saying Stroud. And that's why I'm saying Stroud. I get it. I get what the fans are preaching, but I'm telling you right now, season ends today. Jalen Hurts is the MVP because the Eagles are 8-1. They're then one seed in the NFC, and he's been their best player because statistically the quarterback is the most valuable position. That's just how football has always worked. So right now, Jalen Hurts would win the MVP. But you could argue C.J. Stroud, but he's got to be out of this world. If they end up winning this division, and the numbers are there, I mean, right now he's only thrown two interceptions, one being yesterday, 15 total touchdowns, 2,626 yards, 61% completion. This is amazing for a rookie. He's the runaway offensive rookie of the year. But we're arguing that this dude is winning the MVP, the most valuable player in the NFL. And that is just a ridiculous statement. 
You think of all the Panthers fans passing on C.J. Stroud for Bryce Young, thinking about where they could be right now. And yes, I do think this Texans roster is a little better, but you put Stroud on that Panthers team, Adam Thielen, and that defense, J.C. Horn, obviously been banged up. But we could see a similar scenario. Also in a division that's weaker, the NFC South, that's still up for grabs. We don't know who's going to win that. So Panthers fans are thinking, what if? But CJ's just been amazing, and he's going to continue to dominate. You talk about a top 10 pocket passer in the league. I talked about this on my Instagram. He is that. He epitomizes being able to step up, to evade pressure. He's elusive at the quarterback position. And even though he's not a runner, he has legs, and he can still get out of the pocket and make a play. Big-time win for Houston. Moving on, we had the San Francisco 49ers getting a blowout win against the Jacksonville Jaguars. It was the Chase Young effect. When I was watching that game, seeing Chase Young get the pressure and allowing Nick Bosa to get more sacks. Javon Hargrave, Eric Armstead, they were feasting up the middle because the double teams were going to Chase, they were going to Bosa, and they were leaving all pro defensive tackles to get Trevor Lawrence. He had a rough, rough day. They couldn't move the ball at all. And Brock Purdy, on the other side of the ball offensively, he was finding Brandon Ayuk. He had a really impressive touchdown pass to George Kittle, servicing the internet. Everybody's seen it. And now you think, is Brock back? I mean, the inconsistency is the issue for me. When the defense is not playing well, Brock has to be able to step up because in a playoff situation, which the Niners will be in as they're one of the best teams in the NFC, Brock has to be able to step up to the table and play A-plus football. Now, the argument there is, with all these playmakers, he doesn't even have to play that well. But what I saw the past couple weeks, he was playing pretty bad, but it also was the defense playing really bad. Brock goes as far as the defense goes. That is the statement here. And until proven otherwise, if this defense with Chase Young could continue to play, this is legitimately the best team in the NFC. But the inconsistencies of Brock make me lean Eagles. But if they play at their highest level, this is... A threat a serious serious danger the Cowboys got a big win against Tommy DeVito and the New York Giants just a disaster in New York Brian Dable after coming off an amazing season making the playoffs everybody hyping him up that he's an amazing head coach it just hasn't worked out it has not been good at all nothing's clicking Saquon had a bottled up day yesterday but broke one out at the end there and Dak and that Cowboys offense they've been the most efficient offense in the league the past couple of years and they're continuing to get back at that and CeeDee Lamb three straight games 10 receptions 150 plus yards outstanding the leap he has taken when everyone was talking about him last year maybe not being that guy he is that guy top 10 receiver in the game you could rank him anywhere in there Just amazing work from him. Tony Pollard, though. I mean, the running game hasn't been that good. We saw Rico Dowdle just have a huge game, and Tony Pollard was non-existent. I mean, Dowdle had 79 yards rushing, and a lot of it had to do with the blowout and him getting more carries towards the end in garbage time. But Tony Pollard has to step it up. Brandon Cooks, who's super old, everyone kind of writing him off. He had nine receptions for 173 yards. But Dak, masterful performance, 404 yards four touchdowns it was amazing performance cowboys well on their way to making the playoffs once again but the question mark is always is Dak going to win the big game and i'm always going to say no because he's never proven it and we saw last week in philadelphia a chance to win the big game and he doesn't when the lights are brightest 
when Dak Prescott has to come through, he never will. And that's just how he is. He's a good quarterback. He reminds me a lot of Tony Romo. The Cowboys continue to breed these guys that are really good in the regular season, that are solid, solid quarterbacks. But when the lights are brightest in the postseason, they can't come through and they can't win you a big game. And Dak Prescott will always be that type of player. The Browns also stunned the Ravens. Ravens had a huge lead and they came all the way back, led by that defense, Deshaun Watson with a clutch late drive that ended up getting them the game-winning field goal. I'm still a massive believer in this team. In the preseason show, I told you guys how I believe that they are a Super Bowl contender. And that was with Nick Chubb. But this team is still really good and they could still make a deep run in the playoffs. No Nick Chubb, maybe not a Super Bowl contender now, but this team is special. The defense is the best defense in the league. They host the 6-3 and three Steelers next week. And I think they're going to take it to them. The Steelers got them in the first one in Pittsburgh. This time around, Cleveland's going to be rocking. I trust that Cleveland offense a little more than the Steelers offense. And I trust that Cleveland defense a little more than the Steelers defense. Both teams are assembled very similarly where they're mediocre on the offensive side and elite on the defensive side. But it seems like the Browns are just better at the little things. And I think they're going to show that next Sunday and keep this run going. The Lions also, Detroit and the NFC, keep the historic season alive. They haven't been 7-2 and two for forever. And now they're looking like a true contender led by the Jared Goff and Amon Ross St. Brown connection. It's just been amazing. Jameer Gibbs yesterday in the backfield getting about half and half snap count wise with David Montgomery. That's an elite running back duo arguably the best RB duo in the league. And then you look at the defense. It's continuing to just keep games close. This offense is so high-powered. I mean, we saw yesterday. The Chargers bring a storm with 38 points offensively, and the Lions answer with 41. Keenan Allen had a huge day on the other side. 11 receptions, 175 yards receiving. He has simply been one of the most efficient fantasy wide receivers this year, and just in general. Amazing. But what the Lions can feature, I mean, Monty had 116 yards rushing. Granted, it was on that one big run, big touchdown run, but so many weapons. And they're 4-1 and one on the road. That's the key here. 4-1 and one away from home. And how do you win in the playoffs? Well, you play defense. That's first of all. But you win away from home. Because eventually you're going to have, unless you're the one seed, eventually you're going to have to get a big win. Whether it's in Philadelphia for Detroit, because they might be the two seed. It might just be in Philadelphia. Or away from home at a neutral side in the Super Bowl. You've got to be able to win away from home. And they have proven to do so. A huge, huge win. I want to go back to Niners-Cowboys just for a second. They're in a really close division with the Niners battling the Seahawks. Both have the same record. Philly and Dallas, they'll be battling all the way. Two divisions you really should watch. The NFC West, the NFC East. They're going to be close all season long. And that's all I got for the NFL. But wow. What a busy week. And Thursday night, we get an absolute masterclass. Bengals, Ravens. We love seeing these teams match up. Burrow and Lamar every single time. It is must-see TV, and I can't wait. Monday night football tonight, though. Bills, Broncos. That might not be so must-see TV. The Broncos are on primetime every week, it feels like, and nobody wants to watch. They're on the road in Buffalo. Should be a blowout. We'll see what happens. The Bills have also been shaky up to this point in this season. That's all for the NFL. Moving on to the National Basketball Association. I'm going to start with the James Harden disaster. I know all you saw it. That Mavericks Valley sports analyst just destroying him 
on television talking about how he is the problem, how Daryl Morey gave him infinite chances, and he's absolutely right. Absolutely right. I've said it my whole time covering sports that James Harden isn't the type of player that can win you a championship because he's selfish. If the situation isn't good enough, he'll jump ship and he'll say that they were the issue. And it bothers me every single time. And what bothered me too about this for the Los Angeles Clippers really, really frustrated me. I truly believed that this team was elite. Absolutely elite. They defended. And that was their identity with Ty Lue. He's a good coach and he's a good defensive coach. And when they had Robert Covington, Marcus Morris, they were a defensive identity built team. That's what they were. And they traded it away for James Harden for no reason. They didn't need another ball handler. They didn't need another scorer. There was no need for this trade. No need at all. And now they're in a terrible position. Terrible, terrible, terrible. The only way this works out, I'm going to be honest, is if Paul George or Kawhi get hurt. And obviously we know it's only a matter of time for that. But this was an awful trade. If everyone's healthy, this is so bad. And I'm passionate about it because this team was good. It really was. And they lost it. They really lost it. They've lost four straight for a reason. They have no defensive identity. The Mavs put up 140 on them a few nights ago. Really bad. Don't understand it. Need explanations. I hope they turn it around. But I'm telling you right now, this is not how James Harden succeeds. He's not an off-the-ball player. The only way you get him succeeding is scoring and pick and roll. And he's not doing either right now. And if you want him to do either, you know whose production goes down? Paul George. Down drastically. I saw a few nights ago. James Harden has a pretty solid game. And Paul George has eight points. So bad. It just doesn't work. It will not work. And it feels to me like they messed up something that was really, really special. Moving on to the Sixers. They have just been ridiculous ridiculous Tyrese Maxey had 50 points yesterday he's finding his way and Joel is still playing like the MVP 30 and 10 it feels like every single night they're 8 and 1 they got a huge win against Boston it's hard to argue this is the best team in the NBA right now absolutely the best team in the NBA love what they got back from Harden that wing depth is gonna be nice now Tyrese Maxey can take that main ball handling role and he can be the true scorer that he is a few years ago I would say last year actually Tyrese Maxey was being compared to Jordan Poole. This is what Jordan Poole could be, what Tyrese Maxey is right now, if he wasn't so adamant at taking 30 shots a game, being inefficient, not fitting the system. Tyrese Maxey is smart. He's a great passer. He doesn't turn the ball over. This is Jordan Poole's skill amplified. Just going to put that out there. But the Sixers are ridiculous, like I said, and they're going to continue to win a lot of games. I don't want them to mess it up. You realize now... You got a contender with what you have now. You don't got to add a whole lot. Maybe a few pieces at the deadline that could be role players, but Maxi and Embiid as a duo, this could win a championship 100%, especially in an Eastern Conference that has question marks. We don't know what we're going to get out of half the teams in there. Big win for the Sixers yesterday, and Maxi continues to dominate. The Suns, the Phoenix Suns, continue to struggle And we haven't really seen the big three yet. They still haven't played one game together. And it's eerily similar, eerily, to Brooklyn. A few years ago when they had James Harden, Kevin Durant, and Kyrie Irving. And we waited and waited and waited until they played together. And ultimately, yes, they made the playoffs. Everyone says it was a Kevin Durant shoe length away from winning a championship. But this team continued to struggle until the postseason came around. I'm not too worried. It is a long 82 games. It is a long regular season, and I think they're going to figure it out. But right now, 
the depth is there, but you don't have that third star as a scoring option, and the starting lineup isn't good enough to fill that void. The Warriors, they drop their third straight, and it really just seems like Steph versus everybody else. He's the only player on the Warriors this year that has scored 20 or more points, which is absolutely ridiculous considering you have Klay Thompson and Andrew Wiggins, who both in the past couple of years have averaged near 20 points or over 20 points. This is a historically bad start from Klay Thompson. We haven't seen him shoot the ball this poorly ever in his career. And Andrew Wiggins, obviously you rely on his two-way ability, being able to defend but the offense has to be there. Nobody has shot the ball. Every time I turn around watching the Warriors play, they're shooting three for 12, three for 14. It's been so bad. And obviously they're going to figure it out because they have shooters on the team. The bench has been good. Brandon Pajewski from Santa Clara. You have Trace Jackson Davis. Moses Moody can shoot it. Kaminga, he just needs to not have so much tunnel vision and look up when he dribbles. This team's good. I mean, on the power rankings, I rank them at, I think, number four in the league. That's obviously going to adjust when the new one drops today. But this team's good. They just need another scorer that can shoot the ball. They're going to figure it out. They're the Golden State Warriors. But there are some question marks starting the season. And more Houston. The Houston Rockets, they have shocked the world with, in my eyes, a poorly assembled roster. You have Fred Van Vliet, Dylan Brooks. I love Alperen Sengun. He's baby Jokic. Jalen Green. But this team on paper is nothing special. I love Jayshon Tate. But they are winning games. The culture is there. Ime Udoka, he has changed the narrative around Houston Rockets basketball. Obviously, there was the whole idea of James Harden, Mike D'Antoni, Chris Paul. That was a completely separate era. Now it's more team united. And man, they've been amazing. Dylan Brooks. I've preached multiple times on here that this guy is not good, and he has proven me wrong. He's averaged 16 a game efficiently. He can defend the other team's best player. I believed he didn't deserve that contract, and he's proven everyone wrong who did. Is this sustainable for the Houston Rockets? I don't think so. I think ultimately they're going to end up missing the playoffs. But the run they're on now, and if they keep it up, exciting times in Houston in a lot of different departments that's all i got for the nba in-season tournament on tuesday again this week i've loved what adam silver has done with that games have been super competitive and entertaining we'll be tuned in for that more updates coming shortly and in the college football realm i'm gonna go to that real quick an amazing weekend of games with the poll releasing tuesday love what i've seen there and i'm gonna start with the missouri tigers man i, I don't know where to start a blowout win at home against Tennessee, Joe Milton and those dudes come in and you win 36 to 7. When we're discussing best running backs in college football, it's Blake Corum with Michigan and then right behind him honestly is Cody Schrader with Missouri. 197 carries, 11 touchdowns, averaging almost 6 yards per carry, 1100 yards. He's been electric. And on Saturday, he had the best game of his life. 205 yards on the ground. 35 carries and a touchdown. And then in the receiving game, five catches for 116. Just a ridiculous performance. And they dominated this game the whole way. At halftime, 13 to 7. You think Tennessee's still in this? And they run away with it with 23 unanswered points in the second half. A lot of people were doubters in Missouri. Statement win. They will be top 10. Looking to continue one of the best seasons in recent memory for Mizzou. Texas. The Longhorns, they had a scare at TCU, but ultimately ended up getting the job done. 
Quinn Ewers is obviously great, but star running back Jonathan Brooks will miss the remainder of the season after tearing his ACL in his right knee. A lot of people calling him the next Bijan coming out of Texas, and now we will have to wait to see if that is true. Huge loss for Texas. We'll see how they adjust in the most recent poll. KU, they got upset by Texas Tech. Unacceptable loss. You move up the week prior and then you lose to an unranked team at home there was no inspiration in this effort it felt very dull and they ended up losing tragically uh just how do you bounce back you got to come out next week and get it done arizona state they stunned ucla on the road kenny dillingham the head coach for asu really interesting offensive scheme talks about getting inspiration from chip kelly who was on the other side of the ball But ASU, they kept the game close. It was super sloppy. It was hard to watch. But they got a huge win on the road. And next week, the number five team in the country, the Oregon Ducks, come to Tempe. And if they overlook the Sun Devils, they could end up losing it. It's that type of game. It's a 2 p.m. start. Oregon might come out lackadaisical, not feeling themselves. And if they do, the Sun Devils will take advantage. Big win for Arizona State. And it's hard. Not to pick Georgia as the national champion once again. What I saw them do against Ole Miss. You think this game's going to be close in the first quarter. And then they run away with it. They do this against every team. The defense is always elite. They have so many NFL stars every single season. Why would I bet against Kirby Smart and those guys to not get it done again? Give me Georgia to win their third straight national championship. They have just been marvelous. That's all I have in the college football world Pull dropping Tuesday. More on that to come. In the NHL, it's the vintage Boston Bruins. They've been so good. They're sitting at 11-1, and one, dominating their competition. And teams at the top of each conference, they have true championship aspirations. I'm talking about the Vegas Golden Knights, the New York Rangers, the Dallas Stars. They're so good. The playoffs for the NHL, it's arguably the best playoffs in sports. I think baseball is, but it's right there. And it's going to be so entertaining because we don't really know what direction the league is going. Love what I've seen there. Team I want to highlight, the Anaheim Ducks. They've been shockingly good sitting at 8-6 right now and not being expected to do anything at all. Great job from the Anaheim Ducks, and they hope to continue this as the season rolls on. Finally, in the MLB, the stove is getting hot. The offseason is starting. We won't see any major moves until the next couple of weeks. But Stephen Vogt, he was announced as the new manager of the Cleveland Guardians. I love this hire. He was amazing as a player. He's amazing as a coach. A great dude, knows the game, and I think he's the best possible fit for that organization. Obviously, the offseason, like I said, not heating up yet. But Shohei Otani, who arguably is the most coveted free agent prospect in the past 100 years, is expected to make his decision within the next month. Simply put, I think he's going to the Los Angeles Dodgers because I think he's going to stay on the West Coast. They're going to pay him the most money, and it just makes most sense because they sign a bunch of big superstars to come play over there. But I also wouldn't be shocked if he just re-signs with the Los Angeles Angels. I know that sounds crazy, but it gives Shohei Otani that cushion of contract, that lack of pressure to just go out there and play his style of game every day. Shohei doesn't strike me as that type of competitor. I think he wants to win. I think the Chicago Cubs are going to be in the mix. I think the San Francisco Giants are going to be in the mix. But ultimately, the Los Angeles Dodgers will sign Shohei Otani. And I think that's going to be the first big signing of this offseason. The rest of them will be broken down on my page. Going to start doing that in the next couple of days. Just feeling out where do I think these free agents will end up 
landed. So much going on in the MLB world. That will conclude this week's podcast. I want to thank you all so much for tuning in once again and continuing to support me throughout this journey. Love you all so much. It was an amazing week in sports, and we're going to do it all again next Monday. Have a great rest of your week, everyone. Peace.